Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Yes, called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, what do we say, family? We live, we love, we serve. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you take your seat. Just a few quick announcements. I already said this, but I'll say it again, that on Thanksgiving Day, we were able to serve over 800 meals on that day. You know, let me shout out volunteers who volunteered that day because they were amazing. Let's shout our volunteers out for for a number of reasons, because we had meals prepared and then we had a meal uh, meals prepared for our volunteers. But the need was so great that the volunteers gave their meals as well to those who came. So we got to shout them out for that generosity um, because the need was that. That's why we put that target at 1,500 next year. We want to make sure we serve as many people. We don't only serve, we don't only serve in the community, but those who are ER working at Harlem Hospital, we serve. Then those at the precinct, uh, the 28 precinct, we serve. Whoever's working, we serve. So we expand that generosity. Also want to let you all know that um, for brothers who are here, our mobile prostate cancer detection unit from Mount Sinai is outside after service. Brothers, that means for those, if you've never done it, get all the mystery and myths out of your head. All right. I just get it out your head real quick. That ain't how it necessarily goes down. These are blood work. So if you're interested, and brothers, I got to tell you, start. If you're, People say when you're 50 and older. I would say when you're 40, start early, especially if you have a history in your family of any, anyone who has had prostate cancer. But we got that mobile unit outside today. Brothers, take advantage of it. Please, on today, and get the screening and do that because you never know. That could be the life-saving move you make today. Uh, to do that. So that's right outside after church and they will be there. Spread the word. They'll be there till 4 p.m. today doing that screening for brothers who are here. Also, shout out to everybody who came to in-person TNT on Tuesday. Um, As we said, next year we'll have a regular schedule back of TNT in the building. Not every Tuesday, but it'll be more regular monthly that we'll be meeting in the building, moving our way back. Um, We never try to say we're going to go back the way it was. We're forging something new but we want to make sure we create experiences for all. Um, everyone knows that the pandemic shifted so many things around and so many people are trying to reclaim what was before the pandemic. No, adjust to the transformation that has taken place and let's build on what we learned during the pandemic and expand how we reach people. The whole lot of people who've been reached by FCBC because of this, of the pandemic, who watch us via stream. I want to shout out somebody. I don't know where she is. She's probably upstairs. But uh, Tracy Callahan from Scotland is here today. Now, let me tell you why I'm shouting Tracy out. If you're up there, Tracy, I hope I get to see you before you leave. Let me tell you why. She was in a coma for 13 weeks, 13 weeks. And while she was in a coma in Scotland, 
They were playing services from FCBC for her. The music, the sermons, and she started responding, and she came out of coma. She's been in recovery now for almost two years, and they wanted us to know that we have a large following in Scotland, just so we know. So you never know um, who it reached. So let's shout out Tracy for being here today. Tracy, if I see you, can't see, but I'm shouting you out. Good. And also remember, on the left, where is she? Where is she? There she is. There she is. <laughs> there she is. Excellent. Excellent. Good. 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 You never know. Now we're not gonna do we are not gonna do another uh, site in Scotland. Just let y'all know. But we may have the journey out there one day. All right, we're gonna make that happen. So good to have you with us today. And then. Just remind you, December 31st, what we know is the last day of the year, there will be no service that morning. It'll be virtual, no in-person, virtual. Why? Because that evening we're going to come back for our New Year's Eve service. Now, keep praying for us because we're debating if we do one service or two. Well, let me just say that nobody else is debating but me probably. <laughs> I'm clear what they want. They <laughs> but. But I'm debating. I'm praying on it. But on December 31st, last Sunday, the morning service will be virtual. The services in the evening, New Year's Eve services, will all be in person here. All right? Good. You may sit here. I want to read a scripture today. And I won't be long. We've Well, it's a good time. That means I'm going to preach for an hour. <laughs> no. Good. So get your apps out, your Bibles. I want to go to the Old Testament prophet, one of the minor prophets by the name of Jonah. And I want to look at the fourth chapter. That's why I wanted you to sit today. I want to read the whole chapter. It's only 11 verses. Um, Jonah 4, 1 through 11. Jonah 4, 1 through 11. And I'm reading from the Message Bible this morning. Jonah 4, 1 through 11, in the Message Bible. Here's how, it, um, here's how it reads. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. God said, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and sat there in the shade to see what would happen to the city. God arranged for a broad leaf tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his angry sulk. Jonah was pleased and enjoyed the shade. Life was looking up. But then God sent a worm. 
By dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the shade tree and it withered away. The sun came up and God sent a hot blistering wind from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he started to faint. He prayed to die. I'm better off dead. Then God said to Jonah, what right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? Jonah said, plenty of right. It's made me angry enough to die. God said, what's this? How is it that you can change your feeling from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong to say nothing of all the innocent animals. I'll pause there. Come on, beloved, let's pray. God, there are moments in our lives where we've learned to be grateful that you don't leave everything in our hands. Because, oh God, there are times, oh God, we would have faltered, we would have fall, fallen short. But God, you redeem those moments. You remind us, oh God, that you're still moving, still loving, still keeping, still preserving us. In other words, oh God, we're grateful that, that you are God by yourself. Now, oh God, continue to pour into us. Continue to nurture us, us, nourish us, sustain us, oh God, along our individual journeys, and then, oh God, collectively. For God, you've shaped us to be social beings, which means, oh God, we thrive when we're together. So thank you, God, for bringing us together on this day, for illuminating our lives on this day, for granting us the blessing of fellowship and family and friends on this day. For that, we say thank you, God. God, we will seek to move beyond our pettiness at times and honor you and the people you love. We will get out of our way, O oh God, and experience the fullness of your joy. We will get out of our way and experience the fullness of your joy. And God, thank you. For your joy is our strength. Your joy is our strength, O oh God. Your joy is our strength. Thank you for making us strong today. This is our prayer. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to read verses 1, 1 and 2 of that fourth chapter. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat 
to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. I preached this many years ago, and the title then, I remember, I'm going to use again. I want to talk today from the subject, Mad About Mercy. Mad About Mercy. The longer you live in this journey with God, and you work on the journey with God, and let me also add this caveat, who God is in your life isn't always predicated on your capacity to work at it. I know that's an alarm for some people because we think that somehow we have to work to earn God's favor. We have to work to get God's love, but that's not true. If that was the case, that means God's love and mercy and goodness towards us would be conditional. But most of us in here know that what we experience from God connected to love, mercy, even forgiveness is not conditional because we don't always do the things that necessitate God to be loving or gracious or merciful. That's why what God does for us, through us, with us is about God. It is about God and what God decides to do. It does not mean that we do not bear responsibilities in the relationship, but if we begin to believe that what God does is dependent on what we do, then we are more controlled than God. That's why no matter what you do, you can't stop God from loving you. I don't care how hard you try, that God's love of you even predates you. That God's love of you is in spite of you. And I know that a few of us in here can testify because you know you haven't always been cooperative with God's program in your own life. And yet, in spite of your lack of cooperation at times, God still honors you, still keeps you, still sustains you. That's God. But again, in your journey with God, I'm convinced, and I've said this before, that you really haven't journeyed with God until God asks of you something that is absolutely, fundamentally, seemingly ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It, not ridiculous, per se, because the nature of the request is ridiculous, but oftentimes it's ridiculous for us because of the nature of the request combined with our attitudes and our sentiment. Yeah, that's one of the telltale signs you've been journeying with God a long time is when you get to a point when it seems like God is asking you to do things that are utterly contrary to what you would want to do or actually moves in a direction where you would not want to go or to engage people that you refuse to engage in. And somehow that's a sign, one of the signs that you may be in the right kind of relationship with God. I don't know how I would feel if everything connected to the God relationship I had was God simply doing what I desired. I don't know what the relationship would look like if God simply did the things I requested because then it would make the assumption that I'm clear about the requests I always make and that I always know what's best for me and that I always make decisions that work in my favor. But you don't have to live long as a human being to know that we don't always do what's best for us. We don't always make decisions that work in our favor. We don't always think about the consequences at times of the things that we even desire from God. We have a tendency to make requests from God that are based on our personal need, not God's vision. 
Oh, man, I hope you caught that. That we often make requests of God that are based on our need. Well, let me change it so you can get it. Based on our desires or wants, not always in alignment with God's vision for our lives. And sometimes, I don't want to even get that deep. Sometimes our wants and our desires are not always in alignment with our own vision for our lives. That's the other part, that you have a vision, and along the way of chasing that vision, fulfilling that dream, you then have needs and desires that actually run antithetical to your own vision and plans for yourself. But in the moment, they feel right. They feel like the good thing to do. And then here's a deep part. You even know the consequences for this thing, but you're willing to take chances, even though you know this decision is not in alignment with your vision or plan for your own life. You ever done that in your life where along the way, while you're seeking your vision, chasing the plan, chasing the dream that God has set for you, you along the way make decisions that are not based on the larger plan or dream. They're based on the momentary decision you make for the temporary fulfillment that may not even be connected to the dream, but you just want it at the moment. We got to be real today. But I digress a little bit. Let me come back where I want to go. God will ask you along this journey, if you stay long enough with God, to do things that you will not like. You will absolutely abhor. You will be reluctant to do it. You will. I've had those experiences with God, and you know it's God. And when you start asking the questions, here it is, and you've done it, well, God, is this really you? When you ask that question, it's not whether or not you know it's God. You're trying to find an out from the thing that God has spoken to you about. You know it's God. But you're trying to find a way around it. God, is this really you? Would you ask me to do such a thing? I need to pray about this. You ain't prayed about the other three things that God has spoken into your life. But now when there's something you're not sure about you doing or you don't think you have the capacity to do, or how about this? You just don't like it. Now you want to wonder if it was from God. Why? Because we think somehow that God's requests of us have to capitulate to what we desire for ourselves doesn't always work that way. Like Jonah had, well, Jonah didn't have an issue with God until God asked him to do something he didn't like. Let me back up on that one again. Because oftentimes, again, we have issues with God's request if it's something we don't like. Then we need other here people. We want confirmation for other folk. You know, God, I heard something the other day in my prayer, and, and I just need, I got to share it with somebody because, you know, I'm wondering whether or not this is God. Now, if God had dropped something heavy in your spirit, like, oh, tomorrow, this time, you'll be a millionaire, you ain't asking for confirmation from nobody. You'd be like, oh, but you, you run the church. God, I bless your name. I can't wait. Why? Because that sounded good. You were like, yeah, God, I knew prayer changes things. And you were like, look at God until it's something you don't like. Most of us don't have an issue with God until, well, either we think God lets us down or the things that we desire do not come to fulfillment. This is Jonah. I imagine Jonah and God were okay. But then God had the audacity to make a request of Jonah. And the request was problematic because here it is. The request was actually a good one. Jonah, go to Nineveh, the wicked city, and preach, proclaim this word I'm going to give you. And uh, let's see what happens. And Jonah's like, no. Nineveh is run by, ruled by the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians have been quite brutal to the Hebrew people. And God is now asking Jonah to go to Nineveh where the people have mistreated his people, 
abuse his people. And now God is telling him to go take a word to Nineveh. And Jonah says, "Mm -mm, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. It's a little bit too hard because, God, I'd rather you punish them. Don't send me to talk to them. What am I going to say to them? And that's the word Jonah gets. And like, you know, some of us, we, we, we decide, well, no, we ain't going to do it. And in fact, we're going to go the opposite direction of God's request. So Jonah decided, I'm going to get away from God and God's request. That was crazy. Because the thing is, that request will chase you down no matter where you go. There, there are no geographical boundaries for God's request of you. So there's nowhere you can really go to get away from God. And so Jonah said, I'm going to Tarshish. I'm going in the furthest direction, opposite of Nineveh. And Jonah leaves thinking that somehow he can avoid this assignment. I don't want to say call because then we get kind of funny with call. But I'm going to say he thought he could get away from this assignment that God had placed on him. And he goes to Tarshish, gets in the boat. And and the, the people in the boat, they don't realize who's on the boat with them. They don't realize that there's someone on the boat trying to get away from God. They don't even understand that because the people in that boat more than likely were Syrians as well who had multiple gods, but they didn't understand this notion that God might chase you down. So Jonah gets on the boat with them. What happens? A big storm comes and all the people get a little scared. What in the world? They decide to draw straws to see whose fault it is. This is deep. A massive storm comes, they're on the boat, they panicking, but they got enough thought to say, let's draw straws and see whose fault it is. Well, you already know, the short straw came up with Jonah. And Jonah's like, I'm telling you what the deal is, like, you know, God wants me to do something and, and uh, I ain't really trying to do it. And they get mad with Jonah and they're like, man, why you get on our boat? Right? Why you get on the boat with us? You laughed at that. That was good. Why do you get on the boat with us? Because, see, you don't always realize that some people who jump on your boat may be running from something. Whatever that may be. And whatever issues you're dealing with, they may bring more issues to your situation. That's why you got to be careful who you link yourself up with at times. Because you never know what people are bringing with them to you. Well, Jonah brought this thing to them. A storm breaks out. They're afraid. They feel we got to do something. They, they are nervous about it. They, they, they're telling Jonah, you brought this on us. Your God is mad with us now. We all about to die because whatever you didn't do or did do with God. And Jonah, watch this. He want to be hero. You know what? Just throw me over. Now, think about this. Jonah is like, I'd rather y'all throw me off this boat in the middle of a storm rather than do what God is asking me to do. Like he'd rather die than be obedient. Think about that. It it sounds like he's doing this sacrificial thing. No, he's doing this because he don't want to do what God is done. That says maybe how much he really dislikes the Assyrians. He's like, I ain't going. And so here it is, brothers. Let me help y'all. I'm going to save y'all. It's me. Throw me over, boy, and I promise you everything will be better. And then reluctantly, what they do? <laughs> Here's what happened. They throw Jonah overboard, and it says when they threw Jonah into the sea, the sea calmed down. So any guilt they had connected to throwing Jonah overboard dissipated real quick when the storm stopped. Sorry we had to do it, brother, but uh, all is well. 
Well, here's a part of the story that most of us know. Then Jonah, God sends this big fish, and Jonah's in the sea, and he's sinking down, and then the big fish captures Jonah. I mean, it's a story. It's not a whale, because that's what everybody grew up in church saying, the belly of a whale. It don't say whale nowhere. It just say big fish. Whale is not the Bible on this story. A big fish gets Jonah, and Jonah is consumed. And while in the belly of the fish, Jonah now decides he want to talk to God. It's got to sound familiar. Because, right? you, know, you know, I would imagine... Uh, there's some circumstances that'll make you talk to God, especially if you ain't spoke to God in a minute. Y'all, only three people clapping, y'all tripping. Like y'all ain't never done that. Like you never found your, you ain't been to church in a year and a half, and all of a sudden crisis hit and you a mighty warrior praying. <laughs> Not that it means anything, I just had to throw the church part in there, but we do that. Crisis hit, God help me. You going all kind of prayer. You start to flashback to grandma on her knees in the living room. And here you go. Now you're on your knees. You thought God make a way. This is too much for me. This is too big for me. God deliver me from this circumstance, this situation. And you, because you figure this is the thing. Like, you know, you ain't worried about the consistency of the relationship because you don't always talk to God. But in this moment, you need God to hear your prayers. God, make a way, deliver me, help me out. This is tough. I can't make it. I can't handle it. He's in the belly of this big fish, and he's praying, God, make a way, help me, deliver me. He, if you read chapter 3 of the book of Jonah, he sounds like David. He got all kind of lyrics in his prayer. Like, he, they rhyme and everything. I mean, his prayer is serious. And then here's a deep thing. It said, the fish, Vic, spit Jonah out. How convenient. Spit him out. Spit him out. He didn't consume him. Spit him out. Right? Can you imagine that? You, you ever find yourself in spaces and in situations that you know you have no business in, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get out, but the situation kicked you out? They ain't talking to nobody. Okay. You were trying to figure how to get out, but you didn't have to figure out how to get out because the space put you out. Okay, that didn't work either. Okay. How about this? How about there's some spaces you are in that you are not meant to be in, and that's why those spaces end up throwing you up? Oh, gosh, that didn't work either, right? There are some things you are not meant to be in. And here's a deep thing. This is not Jonah's issue, but sometimes we're in spaces we don't need to be in, and we're fighting to stay in spaces that we were not created for, fighting to be in places that we were bigger than, fighting to be connected to folks that we've outgrown, and all of a sudden, we don't understand it, but all of a sudden, those spaces have a way of pushing us out. And we have the audacity sometimes to get mad because of what we lose and know. Thank those spaces that put you out in. Thank those spaces that kicked you out in. Thank those spaces that didn't feel you need to be there. Why? Because you were bigger than that space. And that space would have stifled your work, your assignment, your gift, everything. But you couldn't see it. Why? Because you wanted that space. I digress again. Thank God for that. There are places I didn't have sense to walk away from that put me out. And then know that they're putting him out was participating in God's bigger plan for me. I couldn't see until after the fact. In the moment you were lamenting being rejected, then realized that rejection was putting you in a better place to experience 
Come on, you got to work with me here. They didn't, you don't always understand that sometimes that rejection is putting you in the right place. That if you had settled in the space that you were not meant for, it would have minimized who you are. That's why when you reflect and look back and you say, I thank God that they didn't want me. I thank God that they didn't like me. I thank God that they couldn't handle me because I would have never got to where I am right now had they not put me out because I didn't have sense to walk away. You can never hurt my feelings when you reject me. Why? Because when you push me this way, God's arms are open on the other side of your rejection, welcoming me in. Oh, man. Okay, that's not what I want to talk about. Y'all got me caught up. Here, watch this. Because, pause, this story very easily, as it is preached in most places and taught, is about Jonah. And then you and I, as I just did for about 15 minutes, we feel like we're Jonah. And we feel that. But this story ain't really about Jonah. It's about God. Right? Because here it is. God sends Jonah to speak a word to Nineveh. Because after he comes out the belly of the fish, he decides he's going to do it. <laughs> he goes and he and he preaches to Nineveh and then he leaves. He did it with an attitude, I'm telling you. You know, take this word. <laughs> he preached and then he leaves. And then what does God do? If you look at chapter three, for all them people who don't believe what I'm about to tell you, look at chapter three. Matter of fact, let me read it. Chapter three, verse 10. So you don't think, watch this. Chapter three, verse 10. When Jonah preaches, the people of Nineveh decide to repent to Jonah's God. They gather all the people of Nineveh, all 120,000. They begin to mourn their ways. They put on burlap and they, and, they, and they burn ashes and the whole children and they fast. No one eats, no one drinks. They all pray to Jonah's God. Jonah preached. They heeded Jonah's words. And then look at verse 10 of chapter 3. God saw what they had done, that they had turned away from their evil lives. He did change his mind about them. What he said he would do to them, he didn't do. God, chapter verse 10, it said changed his mind. By the way, that ain't the only place it happens, but I just that's enough to hold you for the day. Here it is. God had already said he would destroy the Ninevites. But then in the last minute, he sends Jonah to preach to help them get their lives together. They then repent. God changes God's mind. And Jonah is mad. That's when you get chapter four. He's blistering angry. What does it say in the beginning of chapter four? First words, I knew you were going to do this. Can, can you imagine? I knew it. 
I knew it. I knew you would change your plans of destruction into a program for forgiveness. I knew because you are long in mercy and grace that you would forgive them. I knew that you would make space for them. That's why I didn't want to go because I know you enough to know that if someone hears you and shifts their behavior, you would honor them. And I did not. Here it is. I'm done. I did not want the people I don't like loved by you. That's it. That's it. Because we think that God is supposed to be angry with the folk we angry at. We think that God ought to punish the people we want to punish. We think God is at our disposal, ready to do our bidding based on our sensibilities. This whole passage is about God. That you cannot put boundaries on God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. Oh, I hope this is speaking to you in 2023. With so much hate abounds and people use religion as a cloak for their own hate and think somehow God honors their hate, that God honors their foolishness, that just because they got a problem with people, they think God got a problem with the people. No, it don't work that way. John 3.16, we see it every football game, says this. God, let me see if I'm right. Let me get it right. God so loved the Christians. No, that ain't what it said. God so loved the Muslims. No, no. God so loved the Jews people. No, God. God so loved the atheists. No, God so loved the heterosexuals. No, God. God so loved the world. What about that? Don't you understand? The world, not your small mindedness, not your pettiness, not your narrowness, the world. How dare you use God as a tagline on your hate? How dare you bastardize God's word because you got prejudice you can't get over? Uh, this ain't about Jonah. This is about a God whose love is broad, whose forgiveness is big, whose grace and mercy are real. And for those of you churchy folk, who say things like, well, you know, the Old Testament is the dispensation of the law. The New Testament is the dispensation of grace. This speaks of grace, love, mercy in the Old Testament. And what does God do? God had to teach Jonah a little lesson. Jonah walked away and found a little tree to sit under, pouting man. You know how you do. Can't believe God. Tripping. Why he love them people? Why he bless them? Right? And then what? Jonah found a nice little spot. Look how God set him up. And God, then God caused a tree to sprout over Jonah. Like he, watch this, he made a little leafy shelter to keep burning from the sun. God made one bigger than what he made. You can get that from the text. And now he's chilling. Oh, I'm good. And then a worm comes, eats away the covering. Now God sends this heavy wind, hot wind, tearing Jonah up. Now he's ready to die again. And then God said, wait a minute, Jonah. You remember you was loving that tree that I provided for you? And then when it, it, it no longer served your purpose, you hated it? You changed your mind? You went from love to hate? He said, if, well, if you can do that, why can't I change my mind? 
Yeah, I know what I said I was going to do with the Ninevites. But I gave them one more chance. Through you. And look at it now. Now, Jonah, just as you sitting there mad and still sitting in power, because the book never tells if he got unmad, just ends. But maybe we could continue it here. Right? You mad because God's love is bigger than yours? You mad because God's grace is bigger than yours? You mad, big mad. Wars all around this world because we think God likes us and don't like these people. All over the world. Because we think we know God, and yet in the same book, God says, my thoughts ain't your thoughts. My ways ain't your ways. And yet we try to keep God bound to our thoughts, our ways, our prejudice, our, idiot, our idiosyncrasies. And no, it don't work that way. It's here. Well, if you can't get that, get this as we leave today. The same way God gave Nineveh one more chance. There's more than a handful of us in here today. Who can say, God, I thank you for the multiple chances you've given me. Is anybody in here today who can testify about that? That God has given you more than enough chances. And guess what? God keeps on giving and keeps on giving and keeps on giving. You can't outwork God's grace. You can't outsin God's love. It's bigger than you could ever imagine. Why be mad about mercy when you've received so much? Why be mad about grace when you've received so much? Why be mad about the expansiveness of God's love when you've experienced it so much? And when you've experienced something so beautiful, here's the test when you've grown as a believer. Is when would I experience so wonderful from God? Watch this. Here's the test. We ain't all there yet. When you can say, God, what you've shown me, show my enemy. Show. Show. The, the way. The way you've opened my heart, open my enemy's heart. The way you've caused me to fall in love with you, cause my enemies to fall in love with you. I'm not going to ask you to punish them. I don't have that right. But maybe, God, I could be in alignment with you and ask you to love them. Maybe this is why Jesus said, if you want to be like God in heaven, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, remember this. I know somebody came to me last time. I talked about pastor and so-and-so. Yeah, I didn't tell you to go be in a relationship with them. Pray for them. Love them. Keep that space. That has to happen sometimes. I'm telling you that. But don't let what your enemies do taint your heart. No. You know how hard you had to fight to mend that broken heart? You know how long you had to wait to feel that love in your heart again? Don't let someone else's behavior change that. No. That's the maturity level of a disciple. When you can say, God, 
which you've done for me. Do it for my enemies. Oh, my God. That's, and I know this don't work because we're in an age and a time where everybody wants to stay mad and put their anger all over social media and then wonder why they stress, why folk leaving here early, why we got high blood pressure. Every day we sit on and feed off a diet of hate. No, that's not your role, disciple. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. God has redeemed me too much to treat someone like they're unredeemable. I know this is tough. It's hard for me coming out my mouth. But I've been with God long enough and I've taken this walk as a disciple long enough to know that that desire to see God work in your enemy's life is not just about love. Can I tell you what it also is about? It's about peace. And, and we become so accustomed to the violence and the noise that we've forgotten that peace is possible. And it's possible through you, through me, through us. That song that Dante about to sing <laughs> lets you know how do you want God to be mad at those you mad at when God has shown you so much love? Oh, how God loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. Come on, stand on your feet today, beloved. We're getting out of here. Come on, Dante. Listen, listen to the words. The beginning. He, he's jealousness. Woo. He's jealous for you. Like a hurricane. Yes, come on. I don't know if you got the words up there, but put them up if you got them. Yeah, listen. Now here's the part we can sing. Oh, how. Watch it. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, how he Yes. How he loves us so. Come on. Oh, how he loves us so. Yes. Oh, how he loves us. Come on, Dante. He's jealous of me. Do that again. Come on, hear it again. Look at those words. I am a tree. Of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. Come on. And I realize just. Come on. Lift those hands today. Oh. 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 How. How he loves us. 
Come on, say it again. Oh. Come on. Come on, pray. How he loves. Oh, how he loves. Yes. Come on, one more time. How he loves. Come on. Come on, you know that part now. Love's like a hurricane I am true. The way. Come on. Stop that music. Come on. Sing that song, Dante. Come on. When I am unaware, afflictions eclipse. Come on. And I realize just no, no music. Stop. Ready? Yes. Oh, how he loves us. Come on. Come on. Come on. Open your mouth. Yes. Come on. Come on. One more time. Come on. If you've been redeemed, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, raise those voices. How he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. Come on, look at somebody. Change it up, Don. Oh, how he loves you. Tell somebody. Oh, tell him how he loves you. How he loves you. Tell somebody. Oh, how he loves you. How he loves you. Come on, tell somebody else. Oh, how he loves you. Put that in there. Tell him, tell him. Oh, how he loves you so. Oh, how he loves you. How he loves you. Now, now I want you to make it personal. Me. Put me in there. Oh, how I love. Oh. Me. How he loves me so. Oh, God. How he loves me. How he loves me so. Say it again. Come on. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. How he loves me so. Oh, how he loves me. How he loves me. Come on, come on, come on, come on. One last time. Come on. How? Yes.
Yes. Listen. Listen. We're about to leave. A few things. A few things. Oh, yes. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Because you know why? It's easy to say sometimes, oh, how God loves us. It's hard to say, oh, how God loves me. Sometimes we feel like we're so far away from God or who we are is problematic. No, God loves you. The Apostle Paul says this, one of the most profound things that the Apostle Paul wrote. He says that where your sin abounds, in other words, where your sin is great, God's love is greater than your biggest sin. That where your sin, and the, and the tense means, means permanent, infinite, unconditional. In other words, you can't, and I've said this before, you can't out-sin God's love. Now, I know some people need that because they need to be mad at somebody and tell folk you're going to hell and all this stuff. Okay, that's fine. But it, it helps you understand that when you have someone who loves you so much, who wants the best for you, it bends your heart in the direction of that lover. And the hope and prayer is that when you see the unconditional love of God, that your heart begins to bend in that direction. For in that direction is life. For in that direction is peace. In that direction is joy and happiness. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. Us. And we can never forget that. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again.